0: Thirty-six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one-dollar-per-month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work.
1: Hello, I'm Suzanne Constantine, and this is my wardrobe bar function, where we talk about clothes, life, and anything else we can see. This is our 15th episode, recorded over Zoom during lockdown in July 2020. You can also find it as a video version on our website at mywardmail.com. Here, you can also join our pyjama party and email your own clothing stories to help at mywardmail.com. And if you like what you hear, go on, give us a five-star review and rating and follow us on the usual socials at MyWardMal. Right, today's guest is the first political figure to step into my wardrobe. I hoped I was going to love her, and you know what? I absolutely bloody adored her. So much so that I'm taking her shopping the next time I'm in her neck of the woods. Who is it? It's member of the Scottish Parliament, author, columnist, radio host, and self-confessed crisp fetishist. Try saying that after a few more whiskies. Ruth Davidson! So, let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. malfunction we've had Nar Rogers, Christian Scott Thomas, Elizabeth Hurley, but I can genuinely say that I am more excited about our next guest than I have been about all of those put together because today I'm speaking to Ruth Davidson.
2: Um, <laughs> Ruth, you're here. I can't believe it. Thank you. Thank you you so much for inviting me. I mean, I have to say you're reading out that list of people who are regularly in glossy magazines and everyone remembers the Liz Hurley dress and and the the kind of the English patient uh, wardrobe from that period that Kristen Scott Thomas had. And I'm just going, what on earth am I doing talking to you about clothes? Because I know nothing about clothes. But that's that's
1: the beauty of it. That is the beauty of you. And... um, it's, it's, I just think that, that A, because of uh, the success that you've had, the arena you're in, your personal life, someone like you is so much, you're bigger than the sum of what you wear. So for me, and it's kind of like, I'm going to be so interested to find out whether you actually give a shit about clothes or yeah. whether it's, you know, you, you dress, because I've noticed that you, you always dress in block colours, don't you?
2: Yeah. I do. I've never seen you in a print. No, I, I have. I have prints, but for work, I tend to wear a dark suit and like quite a, quite colourful. As you can see, I do I do like colour. Um, quite a colourful kind of uh, cami top or vest top or something like that. So yeah. I think um I'm, I'm so unsure about clothing, and I and I do like I do like clothes, and I like shopping and all the rest of it. But I'm so unsure that I like safe space. Yeah. And. And I've always liked uniforms, um, not in a fetish or a you can't go through my personal <laughs> history kind of a way. But, you know, at, at school, I never minded wearing a school uniform. And I was in the the uh, territorial army for quite a while. So, I've, you know, I'm, I'm good at ironing creases into trousers. Um, and I like when I'm sure of what I'm doing. So in a work setting, I can wear a trouser suit and that's fine. And I'm, yeah. I'm never going to be caught out. Uh, I I quite like black tie functions. I know what a long dress is. I quite like frocking up. You know, very happy with that. Where I struggle is the in-betweens. So um, smart casual sends me into paroxysms of I don't know what that means. And I once, when I first got elected, I was once invited down to... One of these horrible things you have to do um to help raise money for political parties uh, a party fundraiser in London and it was cocktail dress and it turns out that what my idea of a cocktail dress is and what people in a very fashionable very rich smart set of london's idea of what a cocktail dress is, is completely different and I felt like somebody's country cousin all I was missing was the stock of corn coming out of my mouth <laughs> and I just felt I just felt horrendous what and were I, you wearing what were you wearing I was, I was wearing like a little black dress, sort of to to knee length and stuff, which I, I thought was quite a cocktail dress. I, I don't go to many cocktail parties, I have to say. It wasn't really part of my um, like my life before this, um but you know, I, there was an awful lot of people that were wearing very very stylish things and not something that was bought from the high street for fifty quid. You know, yeah. <laughs> really? and maybe maybe I didn't accessorize enough. Maybe that's what I should have done.
1: Yeah, because uh, a little look at Aud- someone like Audrey Hepburn, you know, she lived and died in a little. Black dress, and she was considered the most stylish person in the world.
2: Yeah, I'm not Audrey Hepburn.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough Ruth. I,
2: I think you've got to have an assumption to wear things like Audrey Hepburn, and I maybe don't have that. Yeah.
1: But it's, it's. I mean, I, I so hear you when you say you've kind of you, you've created this uniform for yourself, and and I, you know, having looked at photographs and read articles about you, it's so clear that you have that. uniform and it's like i said it's block colors it's it's navy black sometimes gray and red
2: and red orange orange and pinks so i usually wear red orange pinks or a light blue underneath a a navy suit but but yeah and it's just because i don't know any better i'm not confident and it's not it's not some kind of protection you don't wear
1: that as some kind of protection or is it just because well i think well
2: i think Well, partly the the navy and black. I mean, actually, if you go kind of further back to older pictures of me, um, I would wear uh, skirt suits um, with boots in the the winter and I would wear other coloured suits. When I got pregnant and then when I had my child um, and couldn't shift the baby weight, I only had two suits that fitted me that were a navy suit and black suit. So, so there is like a, a basically a year and a half period where uh, I was refusing to throw out any suits that I couldn't fit anymore or buy any more in the next size up. So I literally just did wear the only ones that were roomy enough for me. Yes. So. I, and it was because I didn't want to be looked at because I was heavy and all that sort of stuff, which I think a lot of people. Yeah, uh, we all identify. All, all all women identify with yeah. that. Oh, but when God. you're when you're in the when you're in the really fat end of your wardrobe, like that's that's a difficulty, and and you don't you
1: don't want looked at. So so do you divide your wardrobe up like that? So you have it in kind of sizes?
2: Are you that organised? I don't believe you are. No, no, I'm not. But I know exactly which suits are at the tighter end of yes. the size that they are and which ones are at the, the wider end. So um, I kind of, my my I've got, um, weirdly, it's in my spare room, I've got a kind of clothing rail. My, my partner's uh, brother used to um, have sports shops over in Ireland. Uh, and when we moved into this house, which we haven't done anything with and we need to, um, there wasn't a- enough hanging space in it. So instead of, like, getting fitted wardrobes and paying for all of that, we you know, paid for IVF instead. Uh, so I've got like just a blank clothing rail in my spare room, which has sort of shirts, dresses, skirts, and then just suits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And then everything else is just in drawers. Uh, yeah. So yeah. But you've always
1: paid attention to your makeup. You You always wear great lipstick. Oh, and you do your eyes really well, and you pluck your eyebrows. You've got good shaped eyebrows.
2: I do pluck my eyebrows because I'm so dark that if I don't, you know, I I can kind of I, I can become the third Gallicer pretty quickly if I don't. <laughs> uh, so I I have to do that. But um, also, I, again with makeup, I, I wear the same makeup. So it's always a kind of brown shimmery um, eyeshadow. Yeah. Black, black mascara. Um, sort of. I, I wear a kind of. A, cream foundation and then I put powder on top just to make it matte because because we have so many kind of cameras both um film cameras and, and and snapper cameras um you can't be sweaty you just and particularly politicians like you look as if you really are lying if you're sweaty which is why I would always say to men you know don't be you know, don't be proud about this, wear makeup on camera, define your eyes, because I used to work in TV as well before, so I, well, not really, I was mostly in radio, but I did a little bit of television, and, and one of the cameramen there was the one that got me started on block colors, he was like, you know, it will pop. So it used to be scarves. I just used to have a really bright scarf with, you know, a, a nice coat. And um, I kind of like winter better than summer because it's easier to dress. Mm. Uh, I, and, you know, I've, I've tried to get some of my male colleagues to not be quite so West of Scotland male about it. Like mm. nobody's going to worry about, you know, your predilections if you put mm. a little bit of mascara or eyeliner on just so, so you're on the telly, you just don't look like a blank page. But um, I still have some way to go in that. But that's, I mean, that must
1: be very difficult in the political arena because I suppose it's a bit like a woman working in the city, where well, it certainly was sort of in the 80s. Mm. Because women in the, in the 80s, they'd go to the city and they'd go to their banks or whatever and they'd dress in pinstripe suits, literally, to fit in. And mm. I mean, I, I think that in politics, there's still a way behind. I, I mean, do you find that you have to dress in quite a sensible
2: masculine not masculine but oh, I mean I think I mean, honestly I mean I think um if I wasn't in the public eye I think there would be more times that I'd wear things that perhaps wear a bit more masculine uh, because actually I like clothes and yeah you know, I think um I I'm, I'm, i don't know where I would really fall. You know, being a gay woman, I don't know where I'd really fall. I'm clearly not a high femme, but I, I don't yeah. think I'm, I'm really down the, the kind of the other end of a of, of, of very, um, very butch lesbian either. Um, yeah. But I, I like, you know, so this this is what I would wear yeah. for fun is I'm in a pair of black jeans and nice I set a brogue boots and a shirt. She's um, yeah. probably a, a, a bit more masculine, I think. I, I. And certainly when I was first elected, I was the first... Um, openly gay leader of a major political party anywhere in the UK I wore a lot more Legend, skirts, and dresses yeah. um, with a jacket on top and um, because I thought I had to and not scare the horses a little bit yeah. and and I would wear I was a bit lost actually I wore kind of chunkier necklaces and stuff like that that's that's just not me I, I just you know I like a bit of bling when I go to like a black tie event or something you like that. You went
1: down the Theresa May route with her big necklaces
2: and um, not that big, okay. <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> but like I, I had like a bit of paste and stuff around the neck and, and I had some pearls and stuff. But to be honest, it's just, I think people just prefer you if you're just yourself. People know yeah, if you're I trying do. too hard. So just, totally. You know. but I, mean, I think I, I think I, I leave in March so I've not got long left. And I, I think that I probably will on occasion go to a black tie event in, in a women's talks um address as well um you know I I think I would mix it up more that way and and be a bit braver and also like I've turned 40 now I care less like the cartoonists have made every single fat joke they can about me so I kind of don't care anymore
3: so
2: I want to enjoy like I'm also happier with myself and in myself than I've ever been and I think that's one thing that makes older women so attractive just generally yeah confidence is that that confidence and that sense of self and growing into yourself and just owning yourself and Mm. i think i own myself so much better than i ever used to Mm. and i'm not lost and in my 20s anymore i like I, i know exactly who and what i am and what matters to me so did that change do you think when you gave birth to finn um I think yeah I mean I I think that's part of it but I think I was already quite a long way on that road yeah I think you know my my 30s were the biggest kind of growth decade for me completely I mean I think in my 20s I was still running around pretending I was in my teens for a lot of (laughs) (laughs) time with their fingernails (laughs) so when did you um when did you first
1: realize that or have you always known you were gay and did that have like an no so that must have been you didn't but did you subconsciously know? You
2: think? Um, I think plenty of people around me probably subconsciously yeah. knew. But I might have been the last to know, <laughs> so I, I didn't come out until my mid twenties. Um, late, but yeah. No girlfriends or anything before that. Were you too? Um, prepared to? No, no. I was no. My 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 um, my first female partner was when I was in my my mid twenties. So I, yeah. yeah, I was quite late to it, and I'd, I'd had boyfriends all through school and university and things like that. So. Um, and I, and I was one of those people that sort of edged out in that, yeah. you know, I, I fell for someone and, and did the whole, well, I've fallen for the person, not the gender thing. And then, yeah. you, you know, being on a road and, and then realised that, actually, who am I kidding? Yeah. <laughs> women are brilliant. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: do I. I'm just women, women, strong women. All yep. my all my best friends are strong, powerful women and gay men. But, um... But yeah, We've well, you- got to have a
2: couple of them around. Essentially, <laughs>
1: think your um presbyterian background had i mean i don't know i don't know much about that um at all but did that i mean how did they look at um um being gay and homosexuality are they kind of open-minded about it or did that have a impact on you coming out when you were in your 20s yeah i, mean,
2: I think i think my faith and, and the church that i'm i'm in was part of the reason that i fought it for as long as i did Okay. That's... Um, and you know, my my father's not religious. My mum is oh. religious, and uh, I had was brought up in the Church of Scotland, and which which itself has covered a huge journey, and and is you know was is, is so much better than it used mm. to be. On issues like this. Um, I still can't marry my wife or my fiance in my own church, but we'll get there someday. Um, really, but, I didn't know uh, that. Uh, so, Church of Scotland. She's a she's Irish, so she's Roman Catholic. So neither of us okay. can get married oh, in yeah. uh, Although when we got, it was really sweet actually. When we got engaged, and it was in the paper. Oh, wow. Uh, the Scottish Episcopal Church, which does carry out same-sex ceremonies, were within the week. Were emailing, bidding for the wedding. So, no. <laughs> very no. But we kind of thought, given that we're already a mixed marriage, we probably don't want to introduce a third sort of yeah. location <laughs> there. So, um, so yeah, so that was quite funny. But um, you know, I, I think you know, you you read kind of what's there and. Paul's letters to as many churches and all the rest of it. And when you're class, classified al- alongside idolaters and adulterers and all the rest of it, I mean, it, you do kind of take that on board. But I, I think as well, the, the problem that we had particularly, I mean, I came out sort of 15 years more than that now. So things have changed a lot. But but um, even then, there was the sense that the Venn diagram, like Christians were on one side and gay people yeah. were on the other and there was no crossover in the middle. And that's just not true. Um, and it's as hard to come out as a Christian in certain gay groups as it is to come out as being gay in in some churches um but we have come like I mean I cannot tell you how far we've come in in the 15 16 years since I came out Mm. and have you had I mean were you quite active in that in in kind
1: of getting the the message out and 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 trying to make it more acceptable within the church and within. Yeah, I mean, I, I
2: I think in in both. I mean, I was very active in my church. Like I say, I grew up in a. I, you know, I'm a former Sunday school teacher. Although, why anyone would let me be in charge of the spiritual guidance of eight year olds, I do not know. <laughs> um, um, and in terms of um, being open about sexuality, I, I mean, it, for me, just the way it was, um, it, it wasn't one of those ones where you you kind of you only come out to your friends but not your family or anything like that. So I was once I was out, I was I was all the way out. And then yeah. I started running for elections and things like that. So yeah. you know it was it was the adjective that was always put in front of my name. So there was never kind of anything about it. But but even in my job, one of the very early jobs I had at the BBC when I first started there when I was like 21 or 22, was kind of booking guests for programs. And it was always right, okay, there's there's some furore about a gay issue. Let's phone the Catholic Church and get them on on the other side, and and would often kind of intervene with the producer or the editor to say, "Well, we we'll look this. You know, let, let's think a bit smarter here. It doesn't. Mm. It doesn't always have to be an antagonistic relationship. Mm. Um, I didn't always win, but you know, it, it was always worth trying because I, I just think it's not true.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: So when
1: you were in your, um, before you came, were you at university before you came out?
2: Yeah, so I went to uni at 17. Um, oh, that's the I, well Yeah, I'm, I'm this sort of younger half of my year in the Scottish system. Okay. First, who hires and not A-levels and, and six-year studies. So oh. I went off at 17 thinking that I knew everything about the world. had a very rude awakening. Uh, mm. I went to Edinburgh, Edinburgh Uni, which yeah. had a, a lot of people that had done A-levels, then got off and done a gap year or two. A lot of post-tracks, yeah. Well, I, you know, I would never call them that, but there was but a I lot of... There was a lot of tasseli loafers a lot of gilets uh you know a lot of people that had built orphanages in Tanzania um and <laughs> you know and, and they just had this super sheen of confidence that yeah. I couldn't match and and they were loud and and I, I guess the brashness of it was really difficult for a wee lassie from a wee village in Fife you know and, and, and uh, you retreat or did you then
1: want to kind of fight against that did you want to kind of almost take it on because there's there's that awful thing with with you know and, and I I have quite a posh background and it's it's that those questions like the two questions which I hate more than fucking anything are where did you go to
2: school and what what does your father do, do you know well, like I'd never ever had those questions until freshers week at university and people were like which school did you go to I'm like well I don't think you'll ever have heard of it, Buckhaven High School, you know, uh, and I remember this one kind of thing that they do at Edinburgh where you, like, at the end of Freshers' Week, you climb this this big mountain called Arthur's Seat in the middle of the city and watch the sunrise and all this sort of thing, and I was up there doing that with hundreds of other freshers, and there was some chap with, you know, Tassily Loafers and a signet ring on his pinky, you know, the type in the pink shirt.
3: That's
2: like yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> and like, I, I don't even know if this is true, but I just have this distinct memory of him going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, my father was captain of the ship that sunk the Belgrano. And I'm going, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really boast about that, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or he was, he might not have been the captain, but he was like the executive officer or something like that. And I was just about like, what a fucking stupid thing. <laughs> I'm like, really? We, we're doing this at 5 a.m. Pissed on a mountaintop, are we? All right then, mate. So, so yeah, I didn't bring him into my friend's group. I think it's fair to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god that is just hilarious oh ruth but but so then i mean you you at that point when well, you'd suffered from depression let's bring it right down again you suffered from depression before that was that when a friend of yours um committed suicide was it in your village or
2: yeah so um when i was uh so when i was at university so at the, the tail end of my first year um i i did i i i I think that was the trigger. I, I, I've never really unpacked all of it, but um, I was run over when I was five. I was really, really badly um, injured. Um, broke my leg, fractured my pelvis, severed the main artery in my, my leg. um had that all crushed, uh, severed the, the nerve down the front of my leg. And I was in hospital for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And they had to save me first, and then they had to save the leg. So that's one of the reasons I kind of walk a bit funny is because is I was a bit mangled because I was hit by a truck. Um, yeah. So I had a really, really long kind of road to rehab. Um, and, and it so happens that a boy that, that was a bit older than me that lived across the road from me was run over on the same stretch of road. Um, a few years after I was, uh, he, he wasn't as badly injured as me. And I, I was having quite a torrid time at university um, anyway. Uh, and then I don't know whether it suicide was a trigger or whether it just happened to be an unfortunate confluence of events. But I, I really, really struggled with the idea that I had lived and he hadn't. And there was a real kind of weird survivor's guilt about it. And the, the thing that's that's really odd is that, that Martin and I we weren't that close. You know, we weren't best mates. We didn't go out to the pub together. Like it was a small village so everybody knew each other. His dad had been my clarinet teacher at primary school, you know what I mean? like and I'd washed pots in the golf club that he'd been a member of and, and things like that. But um the some of my friends were much closer friends to him and, and weren't affected in the same way. But but for whatever reason I I really struggled, and um, at that time, like I say, this is is a long time ago, this would be 17, 18 years ago.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, Maybe long, oh goodness, this might be, oh no,
3: 21
2: years ago. Oh dear, (laughs) I'm so older than I thought. Wait me work. let me work this out. This was in 1997, at the start of 1997, this is 23 years ago. So so yeah, okay. Twenty three goodness, yeah. how old am I? Anyway, so twenty-three years ago, um, the way in which university health centers at that time dealt with it was they just threw some pills at you, basically. Yeah. Um, and I had a really bad reaction to the pills, but I didn't know that that's what it was. So I kept going back, going, you know, things are worse, not better. So they just kept going, right? Well, we'll just double your dose until I got onto the maximum you could be on. And I have to be really careful about how I say this because the company that makes the particular brand that I was on is quite litigious. Um, but there has been a number of class actions around the world regarding side effects for this particular brand of of, of antidepressants, which particularly in adolescents uh, and young adults, one of its side effects is Increased suicidal thoughts and tendencies, which I would suggest is not brilliant for an antidepressant So, um, so yes I, yeah. So I, I I had sort of two or three years that were were pretty pretty dark and pretty yeah. bad uh, and then sort of graduated and and started putting myself back together again. And so do you think you've, I mean, do you have,
1: have you, so you chucked away the pills, I assume. And did you, have you ever kind of, because I've, I've, I've been down that road too. And, um, my mum was severely uh, bipolar and depressive, and trying to commit suicide every five minutes. Um, so I kind of very aware of that and very conscious of it. And I'm always looking out for it in my kids because, Apparently, it can skip a generation. Hmm. Um, but have you? And then, and then I was I was fine for a long time. I had a lot when I was a child, and I thought it I, I thought it was homesickness because I was sent away to boarding school, and I was miserable. So I didn't really, in anxiety and fear, but it was depression. And um, and since then, and and then I was fine. But then, when I had my first um, my my first child, I got postnatal depression, which. I didn't know what it was and I had it for eight years all through all pregnancy just thinking okay well this is how how people feel you know this is how I what I'm feeling is normal and um so have you managed to put it behind you or do you think you have a propensity
2: well I I kind of I'm one of the people that's of the view that it's not something that you have and then don't have. It's not something yeah. that you can fix. Always it's something sure. that you manage. Yeah. It's something that's, that's, that's kind of always there and that you, yeah. you manage it. And you have to kind of be aware of when things could be difficult and put in mm. places your own coping mechanisms for it. So, So something like the start of lockdown, the idea of not having necessarily a routine, not having the freedom to exercise um if you're not getting up for for work at the same time every day you could do that thing that I I certainly used to do when I when I was a student which was become nocturnal like your sleeping habits change that sort of thing so so I was really super on it and cut down on my drinking god that makes me sound like a drinker I don't but I mean I I almost cut alcohol completely out of what I was doing Uh, I made sure I went to bed at the same time every night um it turns out that all the hundreds of pounds I've been spending every year on gym fees and Uh, personal trainers i didn't need to all i needed was the government to tell me you're not allowed to exercise more than once a day and i was mad for the exercise couldn't get me out of my trainers (laughs) Uh, so i was really on that made sure i did loads of that started doing other kind of control measures as well Uh, and just made sure that i managed this period just because i'm i'm so scared of ever going back to where i was when i was sort of 18 20, because it was such a dark time that that is my biggest fear is that I ever go back there yeah. and so there have been times where uh, you know I've, I've been at risk um where I've, I've had to work really hard to keep my head above water
0: selling a little or a lot
2: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, when I was 25, I broke my back in quite a bad injury when I was in the... Oh God, How did
3: oh,
2: you do I... that? <laughs> I jumped headfirst through a window frame on command and landed badly. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know i have a really cavalier attitude to personal safety so yeah, um a bit the same yes <laughs> yeah. so um so that was a that was a period where i knew it could be in a bit of trouble and, and i once I got out of hospital and they, they'd given me this kind of back brace and stuff, I'd been signed off my work for three months. Mm. And I, I begged my GP to write me a letter to say that I could go in. And then, then I went into my work and I badgered. I, I just kept going up the line to boss, to boss, to boss, saying, no, no, you don't understand. I have to come into work. I have to work. Mm. I cannot sit at home watching Homes under the hammer for three mm. months, because it will rot my brain quicker than heroin. And, yeah. and, and I was more frightened of, Going into a a a bad place that I never want to return to, and I was of perhaps not fully healing my back or having future back pain. Because in terms of the payoff, one was was of a magnitude of difference to the other. To me, to me. Yeah, but do you think that's? I mean, that whole. god we're not really talking about clothes much, are we? We'll get back there. But I've got I've got got something here to show you, which is my biggest fail. So yeah,
1: it's like that thing. So I I really identify. You know, I empathize and identify and. It's kind of like, um, but by by doing that and keeping busy, and yes, it's one of our coping me- mechanisms. I'm saying I find exercise, and if I feel, you know, I get that kind of cloud descending, I'll keep busy. I'll go for a run. I'll do da da da. But sometimes I wonder that should I just sit down with it? Am I running? Is it running away from it? Is it, you know, should one just sit down and and absorb it and try and? Analyze it in you know, yeah, I think make, sometimes, it, making peace, but I guess it's you know it can be a chem- well it's a
2: chemical imbalance very often isn't it i I think I would never suggest that the way i I sort of fought myself out of this way, way back twenty some years ago when I discovered is the way that is right for everybody, it's just the way that was right for me yeah, yeah. I, and I think that there are people for whom it is better for them. To take the time to to breathe, to slow down, to mm-hmm. absorb it, and then to work their way through it, now, the problem that I have is I find that I fall further, or at least I'm scared that I would fall further, and it would be harder to fight my way back out. Yeah. So I would rather try and outrun it than yeah. to sit still and let it consume me, and all of the other things that go along with that, and the way in which other people are affected in your life. Yeah, absolutely because there's you know i'm I'm not single yeah. anymore, I have family responsibilities
1: responsibility. I, your I, mental I, health exactly is a responsibility not just for yourself but for
2: exactly. other people I, well, I feel that it's a responsibility for the people around me you know i I'm the main breadwinner for my family i've got to you know i've there's there's things that I've got to do the responsibilities mm. that I have that that i I can't step out of, mm. nor would I ever want to and uh, because that in itself would, would 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 i think be damaging for for me and the way in which uh, I, I kind of work through things. So for me, and I'm you know I'm really clear that that people deal with this better differently uh, and in their own situation. But for me and for my situation, I I believe it is better when I have it. And, and to be fair, you know I've, I've I've done really well in the last few years. In quite a high stress job, and I was worried when I took the job that you know that that could be an issue. But I, I've I've done all right. I think mm. um, for me, it is better to stave it off than to, mm. to sit, absorb, and then come out the other side.
1: Is that why you didn't, because um, we were all screaming for you to um, stand for Prime Minister. Come on, Ruth. Is that <laughs> You chose not to do that because... Well, well, that's a
2: very that's a very easy question on the grounds that I couldn't because I'm not an MP in the real state you have to be. So, yeah. you know, I was sitting in a holy... So, so even if I had wanted to, and I've been very clear, you know, um, I have seen the job from the other side of the door at number 10. I've been very privileged yeah. to be and watch Prime Ministers at work. And it is possibly the loneliest job in the world. Um, and it's not just about valuing my own mental health, uh, which I do. Uh, and I put a value on it, but it's also about valuing the the family that I've built here. Mm. I mean, I, I the intolerable pressure
3: mm. that,
2: you know, living in a gilded cage is still a cage, and it might be a cage that you choose, but it's not a cage that your family chooses. So mm. I, I think that, you know, even in the, the very small sort of corner of, of the, the sphere of politics and scrutiny and kind of the Scottish press at you that I've been in, you know, the sacrifices that people in my life have had to make Mm. When it wasn't the job they chose, yeah. you know, I, I do have a responsibility to to look after them too. Mm. Yeah, I I hear you totally.
1: But yeah, it's a shame for all of us. But um, but Ruth, you, what's your greatest insecurity? What's your biggest kind of like physical insecurity? Um, I don't
3: like
2: being frightened of things. Okay. I really hate that. Yeah. So I sometimes force myself to do things that I know I shouldn't in order to not be scared of them. Like what? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> like like running to be the leader of a political party when you've been in the job three minutes? Like, that's that's quite a big thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, that's not so true. It's kind of, again, I, think I just... I'm
2: totally, I'm the same. Like failing in public. I mean, you know, we, is... in a different eye, we're in the public yeah. eye in a different way. But cool. you know, you kind of want to be private when you ha- when you mess up. Yeah. Uh, you don't want it to be across all the newspapers. You don't want people to be laughing at you or shouting at you. And and yeah. politics, because it's so adversarial, you've got you know your own little team that's sitting in a parliament beside you. Some of whom are, you know, desperate for your job and would quite happily see you fail and work towards that. Um, but mostly are on your side. And then you've got everybody else in the parliament, whose job it is to make you fail. Yeah. <laughs> like because they only get more votes if you get less votes. So yeah. you, you know, it's it, it. I guess and 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 doing something like becoming leader within six months of becoming a professional politician means that you fail in public a lot because you've got to learn mm.
1: um,
2: and and i i don't like being bad at things and i don't like letting people down and i've always found that not letting people down is a much stronger driver than you know trying to make people proud of you or trying to impress people or whatever that that doesn't actually interest me mm. but not letting people down that that's the most important thing mm. and were you criticized a lot for your
1: appearance were you would the media give you a hard time for um, your appearance
2: or yeah, was- i mean like like i say i mean a lot of that is is weight related rather than what I wear um and also you know I've got a really round face I've got very narrow eyes like I'm, I'm quite easy to lampoon so, yeah. so which is fine I mean yeah, but, yeah. You know, to, to be fair I, I kind of I bring quite a bit of it on myself I, I have I once accepted an, an award at a political award show which are terrible I don't know why they give politicians awards it's awful is they most cringeworthy thing ever Mm. but anyway I once accepted an award, saying that it was a brilliant day because not only was I winning this but earlier that night I'd also come second in a Kim Jong-un lookalike competition so you know it's kind of my (laughs) own (laughs) fault yeah you just
1: you know what it's kind of like I I think you just got to celebrate what people criticize you for at the end and then you and then you can get through anything well
2: also you know I have a partner who loves me i've got a fantastic little boy i've got a close family yeah what other people that don't know you say about you it, it turns out it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. yeah and it you can doesn't. have all the twitter pitchforks and mobs yeah. and you know the ones that do cut through the ones that do hurt are actually people that you have met or yeah. you've have come into your orbit at some point and and you think wait a minute that's one what you're saying is not fair and two you should know better than that so yeah. so they're the ones that get to you and they're, they're very occasional but um, yeah, yeah. but just like the fifty-five-year-old men that are still living in their mum's basements that are tweeting in their underpants, like water off a duck's back. Like <laughs> yeah. you don't, you, you literally do not matter to what I'm trying to achieve for my family and me and my happiness and my work achievements. Like, yeah. you you know that should you if if that is getting through any armor that I have, mm. then that's my problem, not mm. theirs. Yeah, no, that's so true, and it's kind of
1: like what what other people. I, I always feel that what other people think of me is none of my business. I always say that to myself. It's just none of my business. I don't know them. It's not my business.
2: Also, the idea that somebody is spending time thinking about you, is really sad.
3: Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm post- not
2: spending time thinking about them. <laughs> I'm trying to get stuff done.
1: Okay, so when you became a um, leader... Did you have, did you have people fussing around you to see, you know, make sure you were wearing the right thing, that your hair was perfect, your makeup was perfect? I
2: can't <laughs> kind of believe you did, but... Yeah, I- no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, I mean, you know, it, it's not like being the prime minister or something down here where you have like a driver and an entourage and all the rest of it. Being the leader of an opposition party in Scotland, um, you've got a nice young man and he usually has a young man that helps carry your kit around with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's about it, yes, that's it. you know yeah. did my own driving for you know throughout the whole thing like all all of that sort of stuff so yeah. so you don't have an entourage for a start but um i mean i i did because i wanted to know like people down and stuff um i did let myself get talked into having my colors done okay so Come- i i have somewhere got like one of those little books with all your colors in it you were winter were you told you were a winter I think it was a bit weird. It was an ex bank manager that did this on the side out of her house in Jordan Hill in Glasgow, oh, okay. and I'm, I'm not—I'm not sure how professional a service it was. Okay. <laughs> she was a lovely woman, don't get me yeah. wrong, but I, I mean, it had things like yellow in there, uh, and I don't think anyone suits yellow really—not <laughs> <Yeah,
3: well, laughs> yeah. no,
2: when they are as pale as this. <laughs> you know, it had it yeah. had blues, browns, blacks, greys in terms of kind of base colours, and it also had every other colour um Purples and reds and pinks and and but also like pale green, like the the wall the paint that all municipal buildings got painted yeah. in the 1890s, uh, like that was in there, a kind of pale minty green. And again, it just washes you out. It's awful. I so
1: jewel colours for you, which you wear, your your jewel like sapphire and ruby and is that is that what it's called? Yeah, that's oh, that. Okay. You know, winter. Right.
2: right okay. Shall well, I, I, I will take that to the bank. Thank you. Yeah. But but so if you want if you want to if you want to come and and actually show me how to dress, I will. I'd love that. Come and do that.
3: Can I do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, of course. that would
1: be brilliant. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I, okay. I come should we take oh, a yeah, yeah, let's take on it. Okay, I'm coming yeah. up. I'm going to take you shopping.
2: Okay. If there's any shops left after coronavirus. Oh yeah, I know. You know, I feel so sorry for retailers. I I go there because it's just yeah. A- no, I do. I feel. I feel for yeah. business owners generally and retailers in particular because retail was having such a tough time anyway
3: yeah
2: um and like I say you know part of Jen's family's all worked in retail and all the rest of it and oh, I, yeah. you know, I know it's really really tough and some people have done very well that have got good online offerings but there is a point where you want to go into a shop you want to really? see things you want yeah. to see windows that are dressed you want to try yeah. clothes on you want to you know you want to you don't just want a plastic bag to come through the letterbox and, and then send it back three days later because it doesn't fit, you know. You 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 want the experience of retail as well and as it's a
1: such a part of kind of communities as well, you know. People, it's a social thing. With mothers and daughters and friends going out to shop and uh, it's it's devastating and God knows what the answer is. Um, but yeah, I we'll, we'll go we'll find the last few shops even if we have <laughs> the breadth and length of the country. We'll do it. Do you have, I mean, I, I would imagine in politics, you've got to be strong all the time, you know, emotionally strong. You've got to have your armour and your protection. So do you have a comfort blanket of any kind? And it could something that sort of either protects you or comforts you.
2: Um,
1: Like clothing-wise, do you mean? Clothing-wise, yeah. Oh, it could be anything. Is something that comes with you almost everywhere?
2: Yeah, I mean, I... I um... I do love, like I say, I, I do love a kind of brightly coloured scarf. And in, in winter, and I, I actually don't care what kind of suit or boots or whatever I'm wearing. Um, as long as I've got a nice kind of, usually three quarter length or quite long kind of fitted coat, like nice uh, yeah. black or 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 navy uh, coat with like a bright scarf. And I always mm. feel like I'm, I, I look all right. Yeah, like that, and, that, and it covers a lot multitude of sins, and also in places where, um, you don't really know what the dress code's going to be or that sort of thing. I, I think, you know, as as long as you look neat, you kind of get away with most things. So I like clean lines. I don't like fussy things. I don't like frills. I don't like, um, you know, kind of epaulettes and tassels and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I never really have done like a, a a nice something that's well cut. I mean, um. Or that has a clean line yeah it's, it's I I just personally quite like I'm I, you I don't have lots of ornaments in my house I'm quite an unfussy yeah. person I so don't that, you rings or anything you
1: know? that's right for you because you've got quite big boobs and those are our. I mean I'm the same and I if I put as soon as I put a frill on I look like a barmaid as soon as I wear okay. a pattern I look like a kind of Sort of mate dowager matron. Sorry, that's my dog. Dowager matron. So it is. Clean lines are, are great, and especially as we get older, I think that you know, clean lines, clean lines
2: kill it every time. They're the best. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I've I've always had quite a big chest, and um, and I think that you know, I. I I breastfed for six months as well, so it's it's not in the same place it used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So 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 yeah. So if we could do some underwear shopping as well when you come up, for that sure, would be brilliant. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm literally now. Okay, look, hang on. Oh, now, careful. Does this carry a health warning?
1: Is this a fifteen? Between you and me, hang on. <laughs> here, I've got not one, so I've got two bras on. Can you see? All right, okay. Two bras on, so that's. I'm always trying to kind of... Right. these, but anyway. But Ruth, have you ever... Because, I mean, you must have had so many opportunities to have a wardrobe malfunction.
2: Yes, uh, I have. I I, I want to show you that I think the funniest one that I've had, and it's not because it's in bad taste, although I'm pretty sure that there are people that think my taste is pretty questionable. Um, I have a big sister, and I've got a couple of older cousins who are also... Mm -hmm. um, female so I grew up in hand-me-downs my whole, yeah. you know so I would have been vaguely fashionable three years after the fashion was the fashion okay. you know? yeah, classic oh, yeah yeah that classic um but this is uh I think a not hideous um sort of bottle green uh sort
3: beautiful cow- color for you
2: a cowl neck sheath dress and this yeah. was a bridesmaid's dress I was a bridesmaid for a very good friend of mine who lived in Adelaide in Australia um, because I was living in Scotland, um she sent, uh, and the other bridesmaids were all to the four winds, she sent a bolt of fabric over and said, just, we're going to have all the bridesmaids in this fabric, get a dress made that, that you want to wear, and it doesn't matter if they're all different, um, we will... Never. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, so, so, so yeah. lovely. Um, and because she'd been living in, in Scotland uh, before she got engaged, and because there was lots of people flying over from Scotland and other countries to Australia, rather than have the turn up for the wedding, um, Speak to the bride and groom for five minutes as they go round, and then they jump off on their honeymoon. And all these people have flown three and a half thousand miles; don't actually see them. What they chose to do, which was lovely, was they had us all over three weeks before the wedding. The wedding was all parted. We all went on a road trip all the all Brits with them for three weeks around the country. Oh, lovely we went to the, the of wine valley we went uh sharp, um uh, red snapper fishing in coffin bay we we you know we, we had this lovely lovely time of three weeks on holiday and then we got to the morning of the wedding and i put the dress on except i couldn't didn't what? fit completely didn't fit i'd had three weeks on the lash <laughs> you and were too much I'm measured. Done. Stormies and <laughs> yeah, yeah, all, all and of that sort of thing. Too much uh, of candy. So, yeah, completely and, and like not wearable, like as in not even like sausage links. What was fantastic? Oh yeah, because my my weight is barometers up and down. It's really easy to put on weight and hard to take it off. In three but, um, weeks though. Well,
1: what? maybe a month. <laughs> What Jesus Christ? Okay, yeah, go on.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can. It's not hard to put on half a stone for leaks, yeah. and if it's a sheath dress, it's not going to yeah. be pretty. So the morning of my friend's wedding, and I feel I still feel guilty about this. I'd also got a, like a wrap, a kind of stole to wear over my arms. Yeah. We took a set of shears, and we went straight up the back of the dress, and the bride's mother and the bride's auntie sewed the stole in as a panel at the back, and you can actually see here. So they should have been looking forward to their daughter's wedding. They are sewing a panel into a dress for one of the like Scottish bridesmaids that couldn't turn down a sausage sandwich. Isn't that the worst dress story you have ever heard? But that is,
1: you know what I love about that? It's not about, it's not about getting, you know, being unfashionable or wearing the wrong type of thing. It's that dress let you down. <laughs> Let, the dress Good. down is genius. Oh my god, yeah. that's the best story. But that Ruth is a fabulous color. That's probably one of your best colors, and and the orangey. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I really, I really like it. Actually, I really like dark greens. Mm. Um, I don't wear them often. You're right, but I, I maybe, I maybe, maybe when I'm free of politics, I'll wear more. I can, I can blossom <laughs> like a butterfly. I can exit my my trouser suit chrysalis and blossom. Oh, well, like
1: You a butterfly. have wait for me. I'm going to come and hold your hand. Um, and my darling, so. <laughs> What about um, your birthday suit? Is that is there a dress or a jacket or a, anything that
2: is like your celebratory item of clothing? Got, do you know? I've got um, I've got some bling that I love to wear. It's yeah. not clothing, so I've got a kind of, uh, I've got a double strand drop diamante. I mean, nice. yeah. Um, but you know, set of earrings and it's a a, a chain that is. Not a chain. Um, it, it's like diamante there, and it's got a double. It's got a double strand okay, as well, and, and they're they're asymmetric. Which that's my kind of go to dressing up, and I, I love a clutch bag as well. we oddly I don't know why. Because I, I don't. I don't like a handbag, but I love yeah. a clutch. you Love a clutch. Yeah, I'm always going yeah. to leave it somewhere. But and and yeah. I quite like. A, I like quite like a wrap. um If I'm if yeah. I'm, you know, if I'm I'm going to like a, a a awards do or a posh do or a black tie or a dinner or something like that that I've got to. Um, I'm, I I do quite like feeling like I'm playing the part yeah it's that, yeah. that Jean-Paul Passart thing of um he's not a waiter he's playing the part of the waiter I often feel like I don't fit in so I often feel like I'm playing the part of it but yeah. I feel like I'm playing the part properly I've got a nice kind of actually I think it comes from Marks and Spencers of all places but I've got a, a really nice kind of wrap thing that's kind of half wrap half cake but it's got a it's got a um, sparkle in it nice and it's it's really nice weight to it okay. and it, the way the way it comes across the way it comes across is i think it looks quite classy and i yeah. i don't often look classy so that makes me feel that makes me walk half an inch taller
1: yeah okay and if yeah, you i
2: feels so i can't walk in
1: <laughs>
2: oh no <I> <laughs> but have you always had short hair too cuz you've got amazingly no. thick hair yeah, and it's getting thicker. So, yeah. so I look at the fifth beetle at the moment because my my partner has been cutting it during lockdown. But I think she's, she's done all right, actually. Yeah. She's, she's done okay, but I mean, it desperately needs. Yeah. We're, we're in trouble in Scotland yeah. because we're, we're not getting hairdressers open until the fifteenth. So, yeah. so yeah, so we're gonna be shaggy kind of Highland cat- cattle, like looking yeah. out through the fringes for a bit longer. Okay. But, um, but yeah, no, I used to I used to have a kind of bob down to about about there. Um, How tall are you? Five foot five. Okay, just a smidge under five foot five. Yeah. So, um, but I go through phases where I grow it a bit and then realize that actually it just annoys me and I just want to cut it again. You're so
1: lucky that you suit short hair. I would love to have short hair, but my head then looks like a sort of pip growing out of a flower pot because I've got a really small head. I've got a little pip of a head, but I really envy people who can have short hair. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I,
2: I think weirdly it's quite hard to find the hairdresser that understands short hair
1: yeah it's got to be cut really well sorry Jen yeah
2: (laughs) yeah I mean I to be fair to her like I think she did pretty well I was quite nervous handing her the scissors um and then when she finished I was like oh actually that's all right do you want me to do you and she was like no I'll do myself so she would have been nowhere near her doing hers so but then I, I did clip the dog and it was awful so she maybe has got a point. Yeah, she had a
1: point. All right, my darling. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go, but I, so I really mean it. I will come up to Scotland. I come it. up to Scotland quite a lot. we go up to um, our family. We we come up a lot. I love Scotland so much. Where's your family based? We go to near um, Athol, near Blair Athol. Oh, lovely, yeah. And we go hiking in the Cangorms there. And um, up a place called Glentilt. Oh, so stunning. I just, it's... I,
2: I love that roads. So you, if you're you're driving up, say if you arrive at Edinburgh Airport, wherever you're driving yeah. up, and <clears throat> you've got these nice kind of, you've got the flatness of Fife, and then you get to the yeah. kind of rolling hills, and then <coughs> excuse me, what is it? the A9, yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. get to Perth, and you've got that lovely kind of forest mixed deciduous that was planted to look yes. like the seamlands. So you've got all these colours in it, and then suddenly you hit the Highland Line, and you, and you get the, the you get the grandeur of the peaks. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. people think Scotland all looks the same and it doesn't. It doesn't there's like, there's different elements of Scotland and, and that road takes you through a lot of them. And it's, yeah. and then you get to where the the Cairngorms, you get to the Scree and the kind of the scree, yeah.
1: Walking across Scree, <laughs> nightmare. Yes, it but, is. Oh, I love it so much. It's where I feel, where it's where I'm happiest. Glen Tilt is where I'm happiest. Well, yeah. come on up.
3: We'll yeah. stop
1: off at George Street on the way. I'm going to. Well, listen, I'm going to see you soon, honey. <laughs> and, and Ruth, I'm just I'm Genuinely, I'm I'm so excited To have met you And it's a real honour And you're fucking great Oh, bless you What are you going to do after politics, by the way? Because you said you're stopping in March Is that right? Next year? Yes,
2: yeah, so, so the Parliament stops in March And then the elections in May So you always have that break Of yeah. kind of six weeks while, while those that are trying to get elected Get elected So um, I made some promises when I stood down Which was that I would be a bit more present uh, So I'm Still got a few things that are, I'm looking at, but um, it's not going to be going from one big job to another big job. So I think I'm going to do little projects. So I've got more yeah. time in the house to spend with Finn and, you know, at some point, hopefully, maybe a little brother or sister for Finn. So, Okay,
1: fantastic. What what a great a future.
2: Your imminent future is sorted and it sounds wonderful. It sounds blissful. The next, the next three or four years and then I'll get bored and then I'll have to do another big job again because I'm... Yeah. As you've seen, I'm hyperactive, so I, I hate I, I hate not doing things. So the Duracell Bunny. Well listen,
1: <laughs> you are amazing. And thank you so much, Ruth. I've loved talking to you. I mean, I can't believe we've spoken for nearly an hour. It's just gone. Yeah. God. Oh
2: well, there you go. Yeah. Well, well, I'll see you soon. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Planning
0: for your next trip?